Welcome to Corazon Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Christina Haxton. Christina Haxton is the CEO and founder of the Center for Sustainable Strategies. Christina is an expert in strategic planning and execution and leadership development to support for fast growth, small to mid-market enterprises who want practical strategies to achieve exponential growth, take advantage of market opportunities, and capture market share. She specializes in helping develop the executive and leadership teams CEOs need to succeed, the essential strategic thinking, problem solving, and people skills they need to create a culture of ownership in their organization, where 100% of the employees take 100% ownership of 100% of the time. Good afternoon, Christina. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Brian, for asking me to be on the show. I'm excited. Awesome. Well, Christina, we've been chatting back and forth for the last couple of months anyway, and I'm glad that uh, you decided to join the Digital Executive Podcast. But I noticed uh, your background is in psychology, which gives you obviously a great foundation for understanding the people for what you do in your business. When did you decide to jump in as an executive coach? Oh, um, I would say probably officially in 2008. I had, in my private practice, I really looked at who was coming to see me and who I loved working with and who I felt like had the, had the biggest impact with respect to therapy. So I'm there, I was a marriage and family therapist for 26 years. I'm retired from that profession, although I have not forgotten everything I've learned and done in, in that quarter of a century working with people. But I found that what, who was coming through my door were mostly, they were men. They were in their 50s, 60s, probably more, you know, somewhere in the 50s, 60s. They were having a really difficult time with burnout. So oftentimes their wives would refer them to me. <laughs> it was kind of an ultimatum. Sometimes I didn't like being part of that ultimatum, but it was like, you don't go see Christina. Um, and it was a small town I was practicing in. I had three private practices and you know they were all in kind of the small towns, very close knit. So everybody kind of knew what everybody did. And I really kind of got known for that. Call it the KEDA approach. KEDA stands for kick in the ass. Um, sure. You may have to edit that. But I was you know very much really loved working with these these men who were really struggling more so obviously in their personal lives intrapersonally or interpersonally and then because many of them were retired CEOs CFOs COOs or they were forced into retirement because of the the economy at the time couldn't play enough golf or tennis or ski enough and they decided um okay now I've got over this burnout thing I got my family you know back together I got my relationship back together I want to start I want to start a business and that's going to be really easy, right? <laughs> so, so for the executive coaching trans or the ther- you know being therapist transitioned into executive coaching to helping them basically work on the people problems in their new companies, uh, whether it was scaling up, building a team, getting you know helping people on their team get along. So you know basically people problems turn into profit problems, and they you know I think they would come to me and say, hey you know, we had such great results. You know, I learned really practical strategies I could use right away. And that really helped me in my personal life. I think you can help me in my company. And so that's how I got into doing more of the executive and the team coaching and the business consulting and made the natural full transition, say in probably 2013, when I decided to retire from private practice and just make the natural transition to working with executives, teams, and organizations. Because people problems are people problems, regardless if they're at home or they're at work, right? We bring our human to work, as I say. And so that's how I made that transition. 
That's interesting. Maybe you're, there's several professionals out there like yourself that have done that transition, but that's the first I've, I've heard of it that way. Do you like it any better than, I know you said the problems are the same, but do you like that any better than what you did in your private practice or is it just something different? You know, it is, it is surprisingly different. It's surprisingly different and it is definitely more complicated because you have a lot of people that like if I work within a say I work with an executive team so I work with the CEO and then they bring me in to work with the executive team these people aren't necessarily on board initially they tend they may tend to be a bit suspicious or resistant or you know or I don't think this is going to work I don't know what you know they, they don't try I haven't earned their trust as I have the CEO so And it's, that's kind of similar with the family as well. Like I said, that the people problems, persistent people problems really point to a process problem. So I really started getting, diving more into the strategic part of helping CEOs with creating a very successful company. So I think it got more complicated for me once I got more into the strategy end of things, but you still are talking about, you know, who executes strategy. It isn't just the CEO right? It's everybody. So helping those CEOs inspire, engage, and mobilize their, not just their executive team, but the whole entire organization. Now we're talking culture, right? So it's definitely more complicated. It's definitely more interesting. And what I love about it, which is why I decided to really, to make the transition, is I feel like our work and our approach and our process can impact so many more people because just as the CEOs, the executives I worked with as an executive coach, they could take the skills and strategies and practical tools. I taught them to communicate more effectively, be a better father, be a better husband, be a better leader at home. They would take those not only to home, but they would take them back to work. And so because our approach really is an inside up and inside out approach, the teams and the, you know, the executive level leaders, the managers, the supervisors, and and all the employees who participate in our processes, they also learn practical tools. Not only can they use at work, but that they also can use back at home. And I never tell them that ahead of time because I, you know, I want them to discover, hey, you know what? I learned this really cool communication approach to work with a really difficult team member at work. And guess what? It worked on my teenage son too. <laughs> and I was not, you know, not in a manipulative way, but it was a very, it's a very pleasant surprise, you know. And, you know, I always thought that if people just knew what I knew as a therapist about inspiring and engaging and mobilizing and helping people change difficult behaviors and show up differently in the world and have more peace of mind and happiness why can't we do that at work? And oh, by the way, it's really, really is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple to teach the how-tos, things I knew as a therapist that I think makes us extraordinary contributors and leaders at work. Thank you for sharing that. That's very interesting. And I love that perspective. Christina, you know, this month, in fact, yesterday we celebrated uh, International Women's Day. Can you tell us what that means to you? Yeah, you know, this is a question I had to give some thought to. And at first I kind of scratched my head and I thought, I don't know that it really means as much as it should. <laughs> and so then I thought about it and I thought, well, you know, it really does because I'm involved in, in a couple of associations. One, uh, the Healthcare Business Women's Association, and that is an association to help women achieve gender parity in, in healthcare. 
you know, and I didn't really realize it was as much of a problem until recently when I'm working with an executive or an executive team, or even, you know, putting together a speaker hall program for a trade show for the manufacturing company. And I thought women are so underrepresented, regardless of industry, except in healthcare, where you have a lot of women represented at the below the executive leadership level but not above. And, and that is slowly changing, but it's a bit like turning around an ocean liner in a bathtub. Organizations and, and leaders in organizations really need to tap the human resources, the smart people that they have brought on board their team, whether we're talking women or we're talking millennials or Gen Z, or we're talking, you know, boomers with the gender, with the uh, generational differences or the LGBTQ. I mean, regardless of that, there's such a wonderful diverse perspective and processes that when women not only have a seat at the table, but they have a voice at the table without having to look like men look, or they think men look at the table, right? When they can- when we can all really be our authentic selves and people first, I think that just helps. And it's, you know, the research has shown that women, and I'm going to hopefully not misquote this, but when there's, you know, a certain percentage and a small percentage of women who are on a board of a company, they're, they're more profitable because I think that, that their approach, their way of thinking, the way of doing things that is probably comes more naturally to women than to men and the way men approach and do things. I think one plus one equals three. I know that's terrible math, but when you look at the diverse perspectives at the table, I think women finally getting that seat and the voice, not just the quote unquote seat, really makes the difference. And so I think that that having International Women's Day, not because we've got a Me Too movement or not because of some horrible pain point where finally people get the wake up call and say, oh gosh, we should really do something about this. I like what I've been seeing in the media about International Women's Day and, and how women in leadership positions are making extraordinary differences in the workplace. Thanks for sharing. I think that's really important. And I'm glad you highlighted that. I would certainly agree having a diverse set of executives at an organization makes a huge difference, obviously, right? So Christina, when you're working with your clients, what is one common theme or trend you're addressing with leaders this day and age? I know you touched on it a little bit. What's that one thing that's maybe a burning question or issue with your clients? Well, it's funny you asked that. So, um, one of the things we do is we conduct executive roundtables and they're invitation only, very exclusive, very small, you know, because I think big thinkers meet in small rooms, right? So I hand, I cherry pick, literally cherry pick the executives to, you know, somewhere around six or eight to come and I lead a process that helps them look at a particular pain point, very specific pain point. The last one we did, we met with eight CEOs around the table for two days to discuss the challenges of strategic execution. And I was very surprised that the result of that really boiled down to two common denominator problems. And one I did touch on, which is, you know, the people at the top, the executives, the CEOs, COOs of these companies, really felt this burden of having to come up with this vision and with the strategic plan and executing it. And it was almost very kind of a forceful old school way of doing it. I'm going to go into my office and I'm going to write out our strategic plan and then I'm going to shove it on everybody's desk and make, make them read my mind and make them, you know, get this done because, you know, I have growth numbers to meet or I have goals to meet. And, and, and it, it, it was very, it was very much a, kind of a top-down approach. So one of the things, like I mentioned, was I think they're leaving on the table is they're not involving everybody 
in the strategic planning and execution process. They're not giving people the opportunity to take ownership of their tasks, their projects, their processes. And so I don't know if that's a, more of a cultural thing or I don't know how wide, I mean, it seems to be pretty widespread and I was very surprised by that. And the second thing that I'm surprised by is it still came down, you know, when, the, when they were talking around the table and they were talking about the very one specific challenge that they had and what they needed to overcome the challenge, it seemed to be that they would have, they would bring people on board, put them in seat in the company, but those people weren't necessarily the right people in the right seat. They might be the right people for the, for the company, but they weren't in the right seat with respect to their strengths and how they approached problem solving. And so they actually created the problems in the organization by having either A, the wrong people in the company, so they didn't hire slowly and fire quickly. B, they would have the right people for the company, but in the wrong seat. And it's really an easy fix, but they would leave that person in that seat, especially at the executive level, for way too long. And the damage and the toxicity that causes and then just ripples throughout the organization is, it's a very expensive problem. So I was very pleasantly surprised that that was what they were struggling with, because guess what? There's actually a really simple, quick, easy, painless, barely, very, actually very painless process that really invokes trust rather than pain that they needed to go through to, to move some people around for the betterment of the organization. So that was a really long answer to, <laughs> to the two things that I'm saying, kind of pretty much industry agnostically across the table that CEOs are struggling with right now. But like I said, great news. It really actually is a very simple, again, going back to my days as a therapist, being able to see at the 30,000 foot level, people's relationships and dynamics and interdependencies and the conversations that are happening that are causing the problem. And then the solution, the solutions for that, again, are really straightforward, luckily. Thank you for sharing that, Christina. That's very helpful. And I know that our audience would really like to hear that little nugget or your experience in dealing with that particular issue today. So Christina, last question, what advice would you give other women leaders in your field? You know, that was another question I had to step back and give some thought. I would say the number one challenge and stumbling block that I see, and it's not just women, it's men too, although it's called the imposter syndrome. Have you heard of the imposter syndrome? I've heard the term. Okay. So the imposter syndrome is when, you know, you have somebody in a, a leadership position in a company and outside they look like they got it all together. They've got all the answers they are doing all the right things. They're the superstar and inside they're just melting because the imposter syndrome says, if only, if only people knew that I really didn't have all my stuff together. If only people really knew that, you know, you know, I have doubts sometimes, or I really want to ask for help, but I don't think I can. And so I see that a lot in a lot in men, um, and I have seen it for years, but I see it in women too, where they have the same kind of, not only the imposter syndrome, but the, the mindset issues around, I can't be who I want to be. I have to look differently to look to be successful. And I think the advice I would give women today, whether they're working in corporate, they're working in mid-market, maybe they're an entrepreneur, is that you have to be really extraordinarily clear about your purpose and who, by purpose I mean, what difference do you make for whom? What difference do you make and for whom? Because that becomes that North Star that gets us through the doubt and the imposter syndrome and the, well, if the need to seek approval before we take action, I think we have to take that step first 
and just keep taking those steps so that we can course correct along the way and not stay stuck and having to be perfect before we start anything. Great. I think that's awesome advice. And I'm glad that, you know, that can be shared with both women and men in this particular example. So thanks for sharing. Christina, I just want to thank you personally. It was a pleasure having you on the show today. And I certainly look forward to speaking with you real soon. Well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate you. And, and I'm very much looking forward to, uh, to that article that I've been putting together that, that can be very practical, straightforward. People can use what's in there right away. And, and I'm excited for the opportunity to hand that off to you as well. And, and we'll touch on some of these things that your audience would like to know a little bit more about the how-to in that. Great. Thanks again, Christina.